Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret here. Uh, this is the podcast about video game news, occurrences, first impressions, reviews, all video game related, of course. And of course, we can take a look at what's uh, coming soon, let you guys know what's up in the gaming world. How's everyone doing? I hope everyone had a great uh, weekend. If you celebrate, hope you had a nice Easter but here we are. We're uh, we're in we're in another week, and uh, let's see what happened on the docket uh, this week. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of a lot of um, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff. I'll tell you that much. Wow, what what a what a great cliffhanger! <laughs> I will be talking about the Mario movie. Uh, I'm going to try to make it f- spoiler free. Um, so that'll I'll, I'll talk about that at the end of the first section of the podcast, which is what have I been playing. Or watching this past week. First off, we're going to start off with a game. Uh, Meet Your Maker. Meet Your Maker. Uh, This was on PlayStation Plus. It was a game that I was very interested in. Um, It's it's essentially a puzzle platformer. (laughs) uh, First person puzzle platformer shooter, I guess you could say. Uh, Essentially, if you don't know... Uh, you craft like people craft these like dungeons with traps and enemy guards and and lava not lava but like you know kind of like lava cubes and uh, essentially you try and grab the treasure that's in there and you run out essentially um, trying to dodge traps destroy traps get past the guards and just find your way you know um, each 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 outpost as they're called I su- I guess they're called an outpost. You know, there's this little robot dude who shows you kind of the way, and people have been pretty ingenious where they have a trap set up to, that, like, automatically will kill the little robot dude. Those, you know, are going to be like little mazes, and those are pretty cool. Uh, the more straightforward ones are still fun. You know, you're trying to, you know, guess where the next trap is, essentially. I mean, you can see them. It's not like they're hidden. Um, but, you know, sometimes they'll put a trap all the way up, and they'll shoot down at you, and you'll get caught in between something, you know? So I, I I'm I'm enjoying the game a lot. I think I've put like I've put like five or so hours into it now. I I think maybe even more. Um, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. You know, I mean, it's not like the most well polished game I've ever played, but it's definitely a game that it's on PlayStation Plus and it's definitely worth worth picking up and and trying out a little bit. Um, you know, because it's all user generated content, you would think that there would be more like dud maps. But, I mean, I've rarely had run into any that are, like, truly bad, you know? Like, I, I feel like um, maybe one or two, you know, out of the out of the 50-some that I've that I've done. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy how, uh, you know, most of it's been pretty, pretty fun, pretty good quality maps. I mean, it's hard to mess up, like, a, a, um, a trap house, you know? It's, it's hard to mess that kind of stuff up because... No matter what you do, it's going to kind of be a fun time. You know, it's interesting to see how people think differently. You know, uh, one person, you know, maybe they'll put like 20 guards in a room who, who shoot at you and the, the power source will be kind of like in the middle and you got to kill all the guys before getting to the power source. And, um, you know, the next guy, you know, they they spend a lot of money on the traps after you grab the 
um, the, the treasure. So essentially, you're working your way back, and that's the hard part is going backwards, you know? Uh, I had another person who had those, like, lava blocks. I'm, I'm going to say lava blocks. I think they're, like, acid blocks, actually. Um, and there was, like, these claw grabbers hidden behind them, and they would reach through the lava, grab you, pull you through it, and kill you. It was pretty, it was pretty ingenious, you know? I've had people, you know, there's, like, these grenade uh, bomb throwers. The bombs, like, bounce around and explode after a minute. Uh, or maybe not even a minute, a couple seconds. And, uh, you know, they hide them like, you know, but, you know, all the way up like this twisty, turny um, chimney, I guess you could say. And the bombs just fall down on you. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff, lots of interesting stuff. There's there's really not been two people who have had like a same style, you know. Um, I'm sure people will start to get like ideas from other people and start implementing them in their own. Like um, I did a little bit. Uh, I didn't know that there was a flamethrower uh, trap for a little while. And when I finally found one, I'm like, oh, sweet, I want that. You know, so I went ahead and bought that and I've upgraded it. So far, it's been really good, you know, on both sides of it, building and stealing. And I feel like I like I kind of get <laughs> it's like, oh, how many years has it been? I finally get Minecraft. <laughs> I finally get Minecraft now that I've built my base out of blocks, essentially, and set up my traps. It took it took a first person shooter in order for me to understand the the thrill of of building in Minecraft. <laughs> but I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's cool to set up your own set up your own traps, you know, set up your whole your own building, you know, you can make it any design you want, you know. Obviously, you have like a limit of how many blocks you can use and you have to have a path for the little robot guy to go through. So it needs to be a complete path. You can't just hide it between like 50 traps and blocks, you know, so it does need to be accessible. Uh, but what you do after that is kind of like really up to you. You know, you're, you're placing traps. You know, there's augments that you can put on them that allow them to only show up after the treasure has been grabbed, you know, or the gen max, I guess they could call it. But I'm going to keep calling it a treasure just to stay, you know, stay uh, same here. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a bunch of different augments, you know, some of them have like the, there's like an arrow launcher that'll follow you instead of just going straight across, um, pounders that'll go faster or in different intervals, uh, spike traps that'll activate from uh, farther away or something like that. Um, you know, the bomb throwers have, they, I mean, all these things have so many different augments to them. Well, not, not so many, but a couple different augments to them. To really, uh, to really enhance your experience. And, you know, obviously the game is a bit of a grind. You know, that's probably what you're going to be seeing online is people talking about how much grinding you have to do in order to get enough materials to unlock one thing. And yeah, it is, it is, it is a pretty, a pretty, a pretty hardcore grind for a lot of stuff. You know, I've been able to get about a thousand Gen Max a day at the least. Um, it depends on how many brutal or harder. Uh, traps, trap houses that I go into, you know, bases that I go into. Um, and then also you get, you know, you get stuff for when you, your base kills people who are trying to steal your, you know, Gen Max, your treasure. So that's also a nice thing. You know, I have two trap, uh, two outposts built right now. One of them has been doing pretty good. You can prestige your trap houses, your outposts, um, so you can get more, you know, more room to build, you know, more points to put towards traps and stuff like that, which is nice. It, I think it goes up to prestige 10 or something like that. Um, so that's a nice thing. So you can keep building your traps up, keep building your outpost up, you know, um, keep innovating, changing things around. Obviously, um, you know, it's not guaranteed that people are going to play your map. 
the maps cycle out every time you do an outpost. So, you know, if there's, you know, there's, there's five for the big, uh, the easy levels, five for the harder levels and five for the brutal levels. And those switch out every time that you, those switch out randomly every time when you do a outpost. So you're never, you're never, you should never see the same map more than once. Um, I haven't seen the same map more than once. I've seen a couple of them that ha- that I didn't choose that have come up again. But other than that, I, I haven't played the same map twice uh, since I started uh, playing. Now, I don't know if that how that works in co-op, if the same maps will show up in co-op. Because I did notice that um, one of the, the, first, the first map, maybe that was like a training map. Because it was the same map that we did. So... Um, you know, when when Greedy was was starting, and I I, I had already done a few outposts, I, I redid that one with him. So um, there is there is one that was redone, and I think that was maybe the training tra- you know the training outpost that lets you like get you into the groove of things. Um, <clears throat> the other cool thing is that you can rewatch your runs in an outpost, and you can watch how other people did in your outpost. Um, so if someone died four times, you can see what killed them and you can remind yourself like, oh, yeah, that I, yeah, I should keep that. Or if someone went through with zero deaths, you can see how they got around your traps and maybe try and, you know, finesse things, you know, you know tinker with things to uh, get it, did it just right. And that's, that's probably my favorite part of this whole thing is just like watching other people play my map, see how they, how they think through it, how they get through it, you know. And, uh, you know, improve and, and change around my map and then go into other people's maps to get, get a few ideas, come back around, you know. Uh, look, it's definitely it's definitely uh, I mean, it's not like it's not high art or anything like that. Right. But it is it is very fun. It, it's a very fun time. I've been enjoying myself. The only thing that's really been kind of keeping it a little bit mid not mid like in general, but just like kind of bringing me down a little bit is just the amount of grinding you have to do. Like how many outposts on brutal difficulty you have to do in order just to, you know, get enough points to, to buy one thing or up or buy one upgrade. It's definitely, it's definitely a grind. And I do, I mean, I'm not much of a trophy hunter anymore, but I do feel like this trophy list is one that, um, is pretty evenly spread out. Um, but once again, you do have to really grind to get, a lot of gear and stuff like that. Um, the nice thing though is, you know, when you die or when you, you know, lose, you know, if you, if you quit an outpost, you just don't get the materials for that outpost. It doesn't take anything away from you. It doesn't like fail you. It's not a rogue light. So you're not going to lose all your upgrades and stuff like that. That is the nice thing about this game. It's not, it's not a rogue light. It's just a puzzle platformer, pretty much a puzzle platformer shooter. And, um, yeah, the different weapons you can get, you know, there's one that can destroy traps from long range. There's one that's really used just for killing guards. It's like a crossbow. Uh, there's a sword that you can use that uh, that takes out anything in one hit. Um, of course, you die in one hit, too. So if a trap hits you or an enemy shot hits you, then you're then you're down for the count. Um, so it is, it does even out there and I do feel like they keep things pretty equal, all things considered going through here. I mean, you know, as an attacker, you have plenty of things at your disposal, you know, there's various weapons and items, you know, grenades you can throw, um, you know, things that will allow you to, it's like a tactical insert where you can respond back where you were instead of having to go through the whole thing again, right? Um, there's those types of things, you know, grenades take out a wide range of items in, a, in an area, so you can, you can load up on, you can only take three of each thing into 
um, into a trap house at once. So um, that's the tricky thing is deciding, you know, do I want three grenades and three, you know, of these, or do I want three grenades and three of these, you know, um, I've mostly been just using grenades, honestly. And the other thing that kind of equals things out too is you don't just have unlimited shots in your weapons. You know, the crossbow comes default with like five shots and the, um, the bolt shooter or whatever it's called that can destroy traps from range only has two shots of default. And I, and you have to go around and pick up those shots after you shoot them. And I feel like that kind of evens the playing field, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty nicely. You know, you can set traps around people trying to go and retrieve their bolts. You know, if you have a spike trap up in the ceiling, a few blocks up and they shoot at it, they want to get that bolt. They got to, you know, use their grapple hook, go up there and you could have another trap waiting for them. You know, it's a, it's just one of those things. It's like, it kind of, it's the, it's the grand equalizer. You know, this whole game is kind of like the grand equalizer. Both fronts have, um, have, uh, you know, things that are, you know, useful and both sides have things that are, you know, not useful, but, um, yeah, I think that the variety in the levels and stuff like that, obviously, since it's all user generated, uh, you know, maybe down the road, things will start to get a little stagnant. But right now, having a good time. Can't wait to play more. I've been playing it pretty much in my downtime. I've pretty much just been playing Meet Your Maker. Uh, so that kind of tells you how how much fun I'm having with it. Um, I'm not I'm not one to you know play one game for hours and hours on end usually. But when I'm really enjoying it and it clicks with me. Boom. There you go. It's the recipe for success. It's the recipe for me actually finishing a game. Now, Meet Your Maker doesn't have a quote-unquote finish, I don't believe. Um, essentially, what you do is you level up like this um, ultimate bean or whatever. It's it's a, you know, the story is really stupid. <laughs> it starts you off and it gives you like this cutscene, and then they explain all the, ba you know, the, all the background on like the world's destroyed and there's only a couple humans left and we need to use their gen max to, you know, make this ultimate bean, the chimera. And, you know, you just kind of feed them the different, uh, the different human, you know, they, 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 uh, they level up and you press the button and they, dip down and i guess their their dna is absorbed into the crime or something like that it's, it's kind of goofy it's goofy it's kind of stupid but you're not there for i mean that's just to level yourself up you know essentially that's just that's just giving you you know points to upgrade you know the story really is doesn't matter in this game uh there's no ending you know there's no it's not like it's like oh it's a six hour experience no it's it's you know it's as far as you want to go if you want to go for all the trophies that's probably going to be your end point is getting all that done um, but if you're just, ha if you're there, if you're just there to have fun, there is no end to the, the, the game It's just keep going until you're done with it. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'll probably keep playing it after I get the platinum trophy. You know, if I, if I do, if I do fully go for it, you know, I, I feel like, um, I, f I feel like uh, it's one of those games that kind of like Fall Guys almost where you kind of want to keep playing. And as long as they keep up the variety, I'll probably keep playing, you know? But uh, Fall Guys is a different story for a different time. That I'm very disappointed with Fall Guys right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, Meet Your Maker, definitely a thumbs up. Um, there were some like lag issues when I was playing co-op. So, um, you know, if you're playing co-op with someone, you're going to probably notice some lag. Who The person who isn't the host is probably going to lag around a little bit, which can cause some untimely deaths. Luckily, you can revive your partner if you need to. Hopefully, they get that sorted out quickly because that's really the one major negative that I have right now is like the co-op element 
you know, the the servers just I don't I don't know if they're just overflowed right now because it is free on PlayStation Plus or if they need to tweak some things in the background. I just you know I I lag around a lot when I'm when I'm partied with greedy or something like that, and uh, that can cause like I said that can cause some untimely deaths. You know. You feel like you're safe and you stop moving, but then you move a little bit farther because the game lags or your rubber band back to where you were, so a trap hits you. That is the one frustrating thing about the game right now, and I would say that's the only negative. When you're playing solo and you're going into a map, no lag at all. No lag at all. That's the one thing I got to say. I've been playing this game solo a lot, and I will say that when you're solo, there's no lag. I've never had a lag. The game doesn't even seem to kick you when the servers are down for maintenance or, like, whatever. I, I was able to play on an old update for an hour or so before I felt like, oh, yeah, I probably should restart my game. You know, this update's done downloading, you know. So, I mean, that's 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 a nice thing, you know. Um, it is an online-only game, so... You know, you can't, you know, it needs to constantly refresh out maps and stuff like that. So you do need to play with an online connection. But, you know, it does have a buffer, I believe, for when things go down, possibly. Maybe. <laughs> maybe? Maybe. Uh, yeah, so I'll probably, uh, maybe I'll update about Meet Your Maker Lake, you know, next week or the week after. Who knows? Depends on, uh, it, de it just depends. <laughs> I'll probably talk about it again once I platinum the game and I can give my full, full, uh, thoughts about it. But as of right now, really the only negative is the lag when you're playing co-op and, uh, the amount of grind it takes to get one upgrade. That's pretty much it. The rest is really fun. You know, the building going into the, the places and, and, you know, making it through the, the mazes and the traps and the the outposts and stuff like that. That's all really fun. Leveling up your your own traps and your own outpost. Watching people do what they do, you know. That's the fun part of the game. And that's the main crux of the game. So take that with what you will. Uh, I'm giving it a thumbs up right now. You should definitely try it out if you want to. You know, you should definitely try it out with a co-op partner too. That that does help. Um, the brutal maps really do. I mean, I mean, they're really, I mean, there's... They're pretty ingenious, you know. I gotta say, there's there's some that you you would never expect a, a configuration, and they do it, and it's like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. Um, meet your maker. I finished the game Dredge this past week. Uh, last time I talked about it, I was a couple hours in, and I was you know having a lot of fun with it. Now that I'm done with it. Um, I think I played for like six hours straight last Sunday after I'd recorded the podcast and I got to a point where the game was like, okay, if you do this next mission, that's it. That's end game. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so I went around and did all the other quests that I could. Some of them were timed and I missed out on them. So, you know, maybe on another playthrough, I'll be able to do those. I, I, I'm hoping that there's a new game plus. I didn't check. I would like there to be a new game plus because, you know, I would hate to go back to the starting fisherman boat with like the slow speed and the slow fishing. It, you kind of get used to like the fast stuff, you know, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I did do the end game as well. So I have completed the game. I was hoping that the ending would be a little bit more, you know, but you know, the visuals that happen are really cool, and the, the concept is, is interesting. You know, the one th I, I mentioned this in my written review um, on the app GG, which I do suggest people who are gamers grab that. Follow me on there if you want to. I'll follow you back. Um, you know, I mentioned that, like, yeah, there's a lot of, like, 
you know, fetch quest missions because it's, you know, what, what, what more can you do? You catch a certain fish for someone, you go back, you give it to them, you move on to the next quest, you move on to the next area, you grab this, you go back, you know. Um, it is very fetch quest heavy, but the game, the mystery and the adventure in the game, the atmosphere in the game too, is just too good. It just keeps you hooked the whole time. You're wondering what exactly is going to happen when you collect all these items. You know, you're, you're discovering new fish in these new areas. You're discovering new characters who also have little quests for you to do. Um, you're discovering new monsters that are, you know, chasing you down. They'll do damage to your boat. It was very good. It was a very good game. I wouldn't give it a 5 out of 5, but a 4.5 seems pretty good for it. You know, I, I do wish that they had done a little bit more with the ending, and I do wish that, you know, there were a few other quest types in there that weren't just like, go here, catch this fish. Now come back. You know, catch these, you know, exotic fish for me, please. Go get this fish and come back and feed it to me, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, but the main crux of the game, I mean, yeah, you know, I did have a bunch of fetch quests open, but it was mostly going around fishing, selling the fish, selling items I found, upgrading and repairing my ship, you know. The nighttime stuff got what well, was at at the beginning was pretty spooky going into the night and doing stuff at night. Uh, once you fully upgrade your ship, it's still pretty spooky. <laughs> uh, there's the old bait and switch on you. It's still pretty spooky to go around at night, you know. Um, and like I said last time or in last episode where I did a full meaty review, um, you know that fear meter where your eyeballs like twitching and moving around. Um, I did not know. I did not know that once you get like a fool, you're fully crazed. You know, you're you're seeing things. You start to see things and like fish just body slam like these crazy fish body slam into your your boat and stuff like that. It's just like holy shit. <laughs> uh, that that only happens at night though, so you don't have to worry about that during the day. But you know, I, I think the day and night cycle it's great depending on where you are on the map. This is a really cool thing. Depending on where you are on the map, the sun will actually set at a different time. And when the sun does set, sometimes it'll glow for longer in certain areas because you're on different parts of the of the world. Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty cool. A little thing, but very cool. Very cool indeed. So Dredge, I do give it two thumbs up. Not perfect, but pretty damn close. I, I really enjoyed my time with it. I'll probably play a little bit more here and there. Um... I don't want to do another playthrough, right? Like, at least not right away. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, restarting at square one would be a little bit, uh, a little bit frustrating just because I'm so used to, you know, the, uh, the speed of my boat and all the attachments and equipment I have for, it, you know, but that's another thing too. Like there's so many, there's so many things that you can do in this game. You know, you can get nets and just kind of ride around and, and catch fish. Uh, you can leave crab, crab traps, you know, and, and collect, uh, those kind of animals. Um, you know, there's obviously different fishing rods for different depths. So, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's a fishing rod for each type, you know, and you gotta kind of, you know, you know, use your inventory management to kind of get the ones you need for the area you're in, you know? Um, same thing with like engines, there's different engines. Some are faster, some are slower, you know, uh, lights, different lights that you can put on your ship as well. It's all, it's all, it's all great. It really is. And, you know, for a fishing, now this is probably, you know, Dredge is probably my favorite fishing game ever, honestly. Like, seriously, I haven't played too many of them. I probably played one of those Bass Pro fishing games back in the Wii era. Dredge is definitely the best fishing game out there. Um, 
if you want more information on like the inner the like the workings of the game, just listen to the last episode. I'm not gonna go into it here because I don't want this to last ten minutes. <laughs> um, but I I really enjoyed my time with Dredge. I think you will too. If you want to check it out, it's available everywhere, and uh, it's definitely worth worth some time, worth your time. Dredge, two thumbs up. Uh, lastly, this week uh, we we played and beat WarioWare Mega Micro Games. Um, I decided to switch to this because Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, it just wasn't grabbing me. You know, uh, it, we we were two streams in. And midway through the second stream, I was just, I was on the edge of my seat bored. I was just like, oh my God. And when I looked at the map, I had the same feeling when I played Assassin's Creed Origins originally. Uh, you know, you look at the map and you go, oh my God, it wants me to go here. And I have to walk all the way there or ride my horse all the way there. It just, the game wasn't, wasn't vibing with me, honestly. You know, I, I liked the ideas that it had. I thought that there was a lot of good things going on. Obviously, I understand why people love it so much. I understand. But it's just not for me. It's not, it's not for me. Maybe in, uh, you know, in another life, it, it's, you know, I, I like, I like this game, but not in this one. Um, I tried though, you know, I gave it a fair chance. You know, I like that opening area. It was nice and condensed. You know, lots, you know, everything was kind of within, you know, a 15 minute duration in, in all directions. I, I really liked that. But once you got into the big open world, you know, stuff was just so far apart. And there really, I mean, yeah, there were things spotted around to do, but it wasn't enough to kind of keep me engaged. You know, if you, you see one camp of mob goblins, you've seen them all is essentially what I'm trying to say here. Um, so, you know, like I said, not for me. So we switched over to WarioWare. Uh, Mega uh, Mega Micro Games, which is on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online service expansion pack pack for the uh, Game Boy Advance, and it was pretty good. You know, uh, I, I enjoyed it. You know, obviously they were working with some limited hardware, and they did do a lot of fun stuff with that. But that being said, they also didn't really utilize the hardware. There's a right and left bumper. There's a B button. You know, there's a, there's there's a couple more things that they just decided not to use on the Game Boy Advance, and it's just it's very strange to me. All the micro games were either move with the direction, you know, with the with the uh, with the gamepad, or press A. And I felt like there was so much more that you could have done with this game, so much more, like so many different ideas you could use with the with the micro games, you know, that would have made it maybe a little more difficult would have made it a little bit more fleshed out you know uh after i got past like the first four you know uh set of micro games i was like okay when are we gonna start using the b button you know when are we gonna start using a bumper when are we gonna start doing this you know and it never happened um yeah i thought that a lot of the micro games were were kind of fun but yeah, there's just there's a there's just a part of me that's like you could have gone a little bit harder, and maybe it was a limitation of like the car Game Boy uh, Game Boy Advance cartridges, who knows? But uh, for me personally, it's like a you know it's like a B tier. It's still fun. It's worth a little. It's worth your time. You know, it's a fun time. But I I mean I I tried to do the endless mode, and I was like, wow, damn, these games really are practically all the same aren't they um obviously they all have a different vibe to them you know they all have like a different gimmick but for the most part it was either press a at the right time tap a 
or move in a direction or press a directional button. And that doesn't keep you interested for more than just the, you know, two hours or so that we played the game. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I think like if I was a kid and I got this game when I was, you know, when I was, you know, had a Game Boy Advance, I probably would have liked it a lot and I probably would have played it a lot. You know, the endless modes do give you a lot of extra content and there were co-op modes to do the play as well. If you have a link cable, obviously I don't, <laughs> or I did not. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, for me, an adult, a person who just turned 30 years old, uh, it's going to need to do a little bit more with, with what it's got. You know, it's, this, this, this is, it's not utilizing everything that it can, which is kind of unfortunate, but it's still fun. It's still fun. Got a good soundtrack. Um, the story mode was kind of funny, you know, and I, I do like Wario. Wario is, is nice. He's a nice guy. Well, maybe he's not nice, but he's, he's an interesting character. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mario movie time, folks. I'm going to try and not uh, do any spoilers. Um, so this is going to be... I'm going to try and make this a spoiler-free conversation because I feel like... I do feel like you don't really need to mention like the what happens at the end or anything like that. You, know? you either kind of know what happens based on what you've seen from the trailers or you can kind of guess what's going to happen based on Mario prop them, you know, Mario, you know, he's, he's a pretty, he's a pretty popular dude. So let me start off with me saying it's good. It, it's, 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 it's good. I'm going to say it's good. I, I, I've been saying it's fine, but it's, it's good. That means it's like, it's like a three and a half. And if that's all you need from this, uh, go into, go into the timestamps and skip ahead to the news section. Okay. If that's all you need is a rating, a number rating three and a half, and it's good. Is it worth seeing? Yeah, I think it's worth seeing. You know, maybe you can wait until it's out of theaters or the theaters are less packed. Uh, right now, I think it's made over $285 million as I'm recording this episode, which is crazy. But that's kind of what Nintendo and Illumination does, you know, on their own. So, you know, that's it's pretty crazy. But, you know, the Mario, like, it was it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I, I do think that they released way too many trailers. Um, I, I think that they gave too much of this movie away. I feel like they didn't have to show as much as they did, especially especially in, the, like, the last couple of days before the before the movie officially released. They just, they showed too much. And the first, I would say, you know, it's an hour and 30 minute movie, I'm pretty sure. I would say within the you know the first whole hour of this movie is everything you've seen in the trailers, and some things are a little bit more expanded on than others, obviously. But everything you've seen in the trailers is essentially it. It's like the first hour of the movie, so you kind of understand where everything goes in the trailer. So it doesn't take too much to guess what's going to happen later on, right? But the things that they didn't show were 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 still good, you know. Um, Bowser had like a musical number, which I found pretty entertaining. But <clears throat> my one big criticism of this movie is how they wrote Bowser. He's 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 more of a creep than like anything else, honestly. You know, he's never met Peach. He and he like has wet dreams about her, and he sings about her, and he wants her to marry him. You know. And it's just kind of creepy. And you could say, like, oh, well, look at Mario Odyssey. Oh, look at Mario in general. Bowser's always stealing the princess. That's right. And Mario Odyssey's story is, you know, it is a little creepy how Bowser's just forcing Peach to marry him. 
and it makes a little bit more sense in the you know the case of the movie here. But I I do I do think that they kind of they kind of went a little overboard with the creep factor for Bowser, you know. Um, the movie is very fast. I'll give it that. Um, you know, it's it's obviously made for kids, so it's got to move fast. You know, it it doesn't have it doesn't have much slowdown in it. I would say the slowest part of the movie is probably the opening when they're in Brooklyn, you know, and they're kind of doing their thing. That's probably the slowest part of the movie, which is still pretty fast, honestly. Once they get to, you know, the Mushroom Kingdom and they start doing all that stuff, then the movie starts to zip by, honestly. Um, and, you know, because it's so fast, you know, they don't get to really grow on some things, you know. Like, Peach, I don't think Mario really even introduces himself to Peach at all. He just kind of shows up and she's like, okay, you're coming with me. I don't think she ever says like I think he's I don't think he ever tells her her name but Toad tells her his name so you know there's that but it's one of those things it's like it's a little bit fast you know obviously there's a lot of character growth happening off screen because when they come back they're they're kind of into each other you know after the the training montage which is very early on in the movie so it's not a spoiler um I you know there's another thing too that happens which kind of shows up in the trailers too where you know, Mario comes out of the pipe and he doesn't know where he is. And Toad just immediately is like, hey, let's go. You know, I feel like they need to maybe give this this specific Toad voiced by Keegan-Michael Key some backstory as to why he was there or why he's so gung-ho about adventure. Just giving him a backpack and saying how much he loves adventure is not really enough for me personally, you know. Um, also, another thing, just think, speaking of that scene you know how in the trailers chris pratt goes mushroom kingdom here we come doesn't happen in the movie literally not in the movie there are so many of those like kind of like weird um chris pratt voice lines that don't appear in the movie and it's kind of the the people who did the trailers did him dirty honestly that uh, that original trailer I'm pretty sure most of the dialogue that Mario says in that trailer, uh, as, as limited as it is, I don't think any of it really comes up. And the takes that Chris Pratt does do as Mario, pretty good. I mean, fine. Good. I mean, uh, you know, throughout the movie, I didn't, I mean, you can still tell it's Chris Pratt, but, you know, his the voice makes sense with the character, you know? I feel the same way about Luigi with Charlie Day. I kind of, I, I knew that Charlie Day was going to be fine as Luigi. He does sound kind of, you know, kind of like what I would expect from Luigi. I think he did fine. Maybe he need to put a little bit more of like an accent on his voice, like Chris Pratt did. <clears throat> I still have a minor cough. Please excuse me. Um, Peach was fine. You know, Anna Taylor Joy did a good job. Uh, there was some, there was some line delivery here and there that was a little bit flat in my opinion, but. In, in the grand scheme of things, she was good. I liked the, I liked the twist they did on Peach's character. You know, she's not the damsel in the stress. It's Luigi. And I like that, you know, because that trope has been played out way too often in the in the Mario games in general. And that might have been Miyamoto's doing, honestly. He might have been like, hey, you know, we've done this a lot. Let's let's switch this up. <laughs> or maybe Illumination came, you know, the people doing the writing came to him and said, hey, let's switch things up, which is nice. Obviously Jack Black, Black bleh, obviously Jack Black did great. Um, I thought he he was a, a good Bowser, you know, way better than whoever did the voice for Mario Sunshine. <laughs> my only my only you know gripes about Bowser was the writing, his writing. 
um, how they wrote him as a character. Everything else was good. I liked I liked Jack Black as Bowser. Um, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Honestly, didn't bug me too much. There was one really cringe moment where they zoomed in on Donkey Kong and he did the Seth Rogen laugh, and that was pretty cringe, but... The rest of his performance wasn't bad. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. And I w- I will give him a pass, especially after last week when I talked about, you know, Seth Rogen's casting and how he even admitted like, hey, I'm not going to put on a voice. I'm not going to do I'm, I'm going to be Seth Rogen. He's not a voice. You know, he's not a voice character actor or whatever you want to say. And you can you can see that here. He, he just he's just he's just Donkey Kong with Seth Rogen's voice. And honestly, in the end, it was it was fine. It was passable. Not the best thing ever. But not bad. But what was bad was whoever voiced Cranky Kong. I don't remember who exactly it was, but the voice did not match the character. And the person giving the voice lines was didn't seem into it. And he had a lot of lines in, in the movie. More lines than Donkey Kong. I'm pretty sure he had more lines than Luigi, I feel like. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like Cranky Kong, shut up. You are literally bringing this movie down single-handedly. Cranky Kong was the worst part of this movie, honestly, in my opinion. He was, he was just so bad. Whoever was voicing him just did not put any any effort into his acting, and the voice didn't match the character, you know? You think about Cranky Kong right now. What kind of voice do you kind of think he has? Older. Whatever you want to say, older is pretty much the first thing that comes up. He's an older, he's an old wrinkly Kong. Who's not in the movie? <laughs> Wrinkly Kong is not in the movie. And he sounds like he's like a middle-aged dad. And it's like, okay, all right. Uh, obviously, the other thing that you would want to see this movie for is the beautiful animation. Uh, they did a great work, a great job with the with the animation. I would I would not be surprised if this won an Oscar at the next Oscars. Obviously, that's like a year away at this point. But I would not be surprised um, if, if, if Mario Movie won. I think it would be the first win for Illumination, so that's pretty big. And the other thing, too, is all the references. Um, at one point, Chunky Kong, Dixie Kong, and Diddy Kong are on the screen, but they did not include Lanky Kong or Tiny Kong. <laughs> so, uh, you know, big L for them. Funky Kong didn't feel like... He didn't seem like Funky Kong. And the in the song that plays... Well, when they when they first get to the Banana Kingdom or whatever they call it, the Jungle Kingdom, it's "Take on Me" by Aha. And even though like I don't mind the song, I like I love that song. Don't get me wrong, but you know, in the soundtrack for the movie, I listened to it. There's like a remix that combines like two of the different Donkey Kong Country songs together. That would have been so much better for for the movie. I agree with with that statement. I I, I like that was just like. The soundtrack to this movie is banging, okay? I will tell you that much right now. Take out all, you know, you, you could even take out, like, the licensed songs that they got to play. Um, the soundtrack for this movie is, is actually really good. Like, they made everything super epic and really bombastic, and it was really good. And even, like, some of the, you know, some of the um, licensed songs weren't bad, you know? I would just say that, that that moment where they're in the Jungle Kingdom and they're driving on the road... And like everything's kind of crazy, and they're showing how the Jungle Kingdom works essentially. Maybe have a Donkey Kong theme playing instead of "Take on Me." It doesn't even make sense in the in like the scope of the 
of the of the movie. You know, it's, it's like it's just a random '80s song thrown in here for no reason. But other than that, the music was fantastic. I would say probably one of my favorite soundtracks since the Puss in Boots movie. Um, really, really good soundtrack. Excellent, excellent work there. Uh, the DK rap showed up, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Not too bad, not too shabby. Um, I do, I do still very much disagree with uh, pretty much everything Seth Rogen said in the last episode. He he said a lot of things that kind of ticked me off a little bit because he really did not understand the character of Donkey Kong and how much he has evolved. In and I would suggest listening to that episode, you know, last week episode, if you want more context on that. Uh, but you can kind of tell that, like, they wrote Donkey Kong's character kind of in a way that's like, throw barrels, you know. It, you know, it, it had that Donkey Kong moment, arcade moment, you know. It, it, it kind of did everything that you kind of expected to with Donkey Kong, right? But it was very surface level, and Seth Rogen's like, oh, he just throws barrels and steals the princess. It's like, he hasn't done that in years. Not since, like, the March of the Minis, which even then, I don't think he stole the princess in those games. Uh, but there's a lot of references in the in this movie, you know. Obviously, the who, the human world has a, a good amount of references, but the Toad Village has way more. Uh, Pauline shows up in the human world. Um, you know, uh, you know, Charles Charles Manette, Manette, or the original voice of Mario, he shows up to do a few lines, but he's not a main character. Um, so don't go into this expecting him to like be constantly there, you know. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of fun things mixed in, a lot of little references to Mario games and properties. Um, you know, obviously there's a, there's a part where, well, I don't actually, that's, that's a little bit spoiler, so I'm not going to say that, but you know, obviously there's, there's a whole part where they're just kind of like showing off like the world and there's a bunch of like, you know, the toads are hit, you know, it's, it's pretty much all in the trailer. Honestly, there's, you know, there's like a toad shop with a bunch of old, you know, like hammers and fireballs and stuff like that in there, you know, um, there's a bunch of stuff, you know, most of it you can pick up on. I'm sure there's there's some things I didn't notice, but, you know, for the most part, very good. Like, this is one of those movies that's like, okay, I watched it once. I don't really need to see it again. And that's not a huge, like, that, that's not like a negative thing. I'm just saying that, like, yeah, the movie, like, I, I don't need to see it again. I kind of, like, I went into this movie kind of, ex- you know, knowing or expecting something, and I got that out of it, you know? Maybe the only reason to rewatch it would be not to watch it in a theater full of kids, you know? That would probably be a better experience. You know, the kid behind me shat his pants, so the mother had to take him out of there. The kid in front of us was crying, you know? There's obviously a bunch of kids, like, making little comments. Um, For the most part, though, the, the theater was kind of, like, not really... I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was, like, a normal, like, kid, kid-filled kid audience, right? But not much laughter going on. I, I didn't I didn't really find the movie to be extremely funny, you know? I Like, there was stuff that was humorous, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think the theater really laughed only, like, once or twice. And it was, you know, one of them was at a point where, uh, 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 you know, a guy got his hand smushed, you know? And that was a funny part. I thought that was funny. There's, there's a couple of parts where people laugh, but for the most part, the movie theater wasn't, like, super, you know, crazy about the humor in the movie. But I guess, I mean, it was just like a baseline of like, okay, it's kind of humorous, but it's not like super funny, you know? I'm not like laughing, laughing. You know, it's not like Puss in Boots where I was laughing the whole time. It was just like, okay, I laughed once or twice, three times at max. <laughs> but going back to my point, like, I don't I don't feel like it's a movie you really need to see more than once, you know? Once you get the first time through, unless you want to see, you know, try and pick out all the little different references that they hide away, 
there's really no reason to see it more than once. I, I feel like a, it's a one and done type movie. Maybe you'll watch it in like 10, five to 10 years or so and, and be like, oh yeah, okay. I had about the same experience, right? Um, I, I feel like it's just a, it's such a short movie and there's not really much that's going on, um, you know, story-wise uh, that I, f- I feel like you don't really need to see it more than once, you know? Um, like, yeah, like, yeah, the, the animation is beautiful and I will definitely always praise it for that. But the story was just kind of like bare bones, you know, like even though they did a little twist here and there, um, most of it you kind of knew, saw coming because of the trailers one and two it was just kind of written in a way that's like, well, yeah, of course it's going to end this way. You know, it's, it, of course it's going to, this is going to happen. Like, yeah, it was cool. Like the animation was nice and the, you know, the things that were happening on stream were cool and I can close my eyes and visualize almost the entire movie because it's very, like a very visually memorable, but the story itself is just in service to those amazing visuals. It's in service to the set pieces that they're using, the, the things that they are setting up and, you know, the, the things that are happening on screen and, it's more so being dragged along with the visuals, right? It's not a it's not a handshake. It's not them meeting in the middle and shaking hands like a lot of movies do, you know. Puss in Boots, you know, the story and the visuals kind of went hand in hand. Where in this movie, you know, the, there is a hand in hand happening, but it's being the story is being dragged along instead of being, you know, walking together. You get my drift? Does that make sense? So I do wish that maybe they could have emphasized a little bit more story, a little bit more character arc, you know, some more character arcs, you know, things seem to get resolved way too quickly, you know, (laughs) but (coughs) you know, it is, it's a kid's movie. It's a kid's movie. And I mean, obviously you can still criticize kids movies. That's not a problem, but you know, you go into it knowing it's a kid's movie. So you know that it's going to be like, it's, it's going to be fast paced. They're not going to really hang on things. But then again, you look at a movie like Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah, I mean, perfect pacing, great visuals, great story. They can do, they they could have done something like Puss in Boots. Mario movie, it's good, but it's not on the level of other animated features that I would rank higher, especially for, you know, for an adult, I suppose. I mean, kids are going to love this movie. No, you know, Of course, they're going to love this movie. They're going to probably just love the fact that it's Mario, you know? The Nintendo logo came onto the screen and a kid, you know, a bunch of kids did like the click for the, 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 the switch, you know, now that's just, that's just how it is. You know, it's, it's a hype movie, you know, um, I went into this kind of expecting more like, more like, um, someone explained it. Like it was like edited like TikTok, and I was kind of going into it going, Oh, okay. What the heck does that mean? I didn't really see that. Honestly, you know, I respect their opinion, but I didn't really see that. Um, but it is very quick. Like, things are very fast, you know? Um, so take that with what you will. So if you want to see the Mario movie, yeah, sure. Go ahead and see it. It's it's good. It's good. It's a baseline good. Three and a half out of five. Not not my favorite animated movie ever, but it's, it's serviceable. It's it's good. It, it's, it's, it does what it needs to do. Maybe it doesn't do enough in some areas. But for the most part, if you're there for the visual spectacle, you're going to get a good show. And it's not super long, so you're not going to be at the theater forever. Um, and like I said, if you want to, if you want to hold off until like the theater kind of calms down, there's not like hordes of people going to see it. Yeah. I would suggest doing that too, because the theater experience was definitely not my favorite. You know, I've already mentioned the things that happened, but it wasn't like I I didn't go into expecting everyone to be dead silent, you know, the whole time. Like I I kind of understood, like I'm going to a kid's movie. There's going to be kids. They're going to be yelling, screaming, crying. It's going to happen. You know, that's, that's, it's fine. It's fine. It's, 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 you know, whatever. I don't care really. <clears throat> because I still had a, a nice experience watching the movie. 
my tub of popcorn and my cherry uh, my cherry Pepsi. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't think there's really anything else I got to say. Like I said, I'm gonna I kept I'm gonna keep this spoiler free, no spoilers at all, and I think I've done a good job of that. Um, only only things that I, I've really only talked about things that are in the trailer, you know. And like I said, the trail like if you've seen all the trailers, you've practically seen more than half the movie, which is kind of unfortunate, you know. It's kind of like when a band puts out too many singles. And the album comes out and you go, well, there's only five new songs out of the, you know, 15 or whatever, you know, kind of feel the same way about this. There were so many scenes that were shown off in the trailer, like the Rainbow Road and Donkey Kong fighting Mario. And obviously, like I said, though, there is more to those scenes, but you know what's going to happen in the movie because you've seen the trailers. They're kind of. They're kind of all, you know, they all have, uh, you know, something to show from the movie, and that's the progression of events. And like I said, it was about an hour in before something actually I didn't expect happened, right? Which is a negative, and but that's also a product of marketing. You know, they got to market the movie, they got to they gotta make the trailers bombastic, and as they have more scenes done, they can put them in and mix them in there, you know? So maybe that's more of like a me problem, because I watched all the trailers, but... Then again, you can't expect someone not to watch a trailer for a movie to be interested in it, you know? If I didn't know what, what Renfield was about or that Nick Cage was in the movie, would I be interested in seeing that? Probably not. But I've seen the trailers, and I'm interested in seeing it, so I'm going to go see it. Does it show too much off in the trailers? I don't know. We'll have to see. There's, there, there is a nice, fine line for doing a trailer for a movie, video game, etc. Something that gets you interested, lets you know the basics, but doesn't go too far. It doesn't show you too much. You know, and I feel like Mario movie, the trailers for this showed a little bit too much. They had one too many trailers. They had one, they had a little bit too much in there. They showed complete segments of the movie at some points, you know? And I just feel like maybe you could have cut back on that. And also, like I said, some of the trailers, they portrayed like Chris Pratt and stuff in a negative way, almost, almost intentionally. Maybe they drum up some, some like some negative publicity, you know, but, but Chris Pratt was completely fine. He was actually good. I, I felt like he was good in the movie. So I apologize to Chris Pratt. One, I, I made a whole Fubar Ferret episode kind of shitting on him, but I apologize. You know, he, he did he did a good, he did a good job. Thumbs up for Chris Pratt. There you go, redemption there. But Seth Rogen, you're still on my naughty list. And whoever did Cranky Kong, you're definitely on the naughty list. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next part of the show, which is uh, going to kind of keep with the Mario theme here. Uh, it's what's in the news. All right, to start things off, Grant Kirkhope, the original writer and performer of the DK rap, was not credited in the Mario movie uh, credits. Um, his iconic rap from Donkey Kong 64 was featured for a couple seconds in the film, and uh, Grant Kirkhope did not have his name appear in the credits uh, for the track, which is kind of crazy. Um, he went on Twitter after seeing the movie and said, I was really looking forward to seeing my name in the credits for the DK rap. But alas, as I expected, it's not there. Fuck my life. <laughs> Obviously, it's 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 tough when you're not credited for something that you completely made 100%, you know. Um, the same thing happened with uh, the Metroid Prime original developers. Uh, they did not have, like, a there was not a section for them originally in the game after an update that did happen, though. Um, so, you know, Grant Kirk Hope, I mean, he he, he made a lot of iconic soundtracks, and he's been, he's been very popular. I'm, I'm sure that... 
I'm sure that he doesn't get any royalties from the DK rap being on the Mario movie, but it would be nice to have him credited as a songwriter performer for the, for the song, for the DK rap. You know, I, I feel like not, not having him in the credits is a big L for the movie. Um, maybe once it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray, they'll fix that, but they're not going to send out a different version with his name in the credits just for that. But I do feel like they could fix that in the digital version or, you know, whatever other way they're going to put this movie out there. Um, there is a petition going around. I, I did retweet it myself a little bit ago and put it on, put it in the discord. If you want to check that out and sign away, let Nintendo know your disappointment. You can do that if you want to. Um, but yeah, uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, that he wasn't credited. So there you go. Um, also in super Mario movie news, the soundtrack is going to be sold by I am eight bit. The, I mean, they're pretty popular, uh, collectible seller. Um, they did, I believe they did like a, a, a vinyl for Banjo Kazooie soundtrack and stuff like that. Um, so they're doing a, a, a two time LP for the Mario movie soundtrack. Uh, there's exclusive color differences. So there's a peach pink, a yellow for, uh, bananas. I don't know. A red for Mario and a green for Luigi. Of course, yellow for Bowser. <laughs> what am I stupid? You can also get it in a CD format, a cassette format. And then there's also a, a, a mini a seven inch record that I believe holds the song that that Bowser performs um, during the movie. Uh, so if you want that, want that, that'll be available. Um, be available from I am eight bit pre-orders are now live. So if you want to, you want to grab that pre-orders are now live on I am eight bit.com. Also to talking about the Mario movie, uh, the Blu-ray DVD 4k steelbook pre-orders are now live. There's an exclusive limited edition with a power-up star, a collectible tin. Um, the Steelbook pretty much just has a mushroom on it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, and the other versions just have the regular cover for the movie. Um, all these editions will be able to pre-order now if you want to. Um, this was obviously leaked a couple weeks ago, but you can get these on Amazon or wherever you find your... DVDs, you'll be able to get different versions of them. The base version of the movie is uh, about $30. Actually, that's the 4K version. That's $30. Um, the Steelbook version is $30 as well. Um, the Superstar version is $40. The Blu-ray version is $25. And the DVD version is $20. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to come to a streaming site eventually. I'm not sure which one though. I'm trying to think of which which one has the uh, which one ha which one has the Mario like Nintendo stuff on it. I don't even know. Oh, there's also Monopoly. You can get a Monopoly uh, version of the of for Mario Bros. Kind of interesting. Um, also, a movie storybook it will be available at Walmart. A Jack specific Super Mario Bros. movie mini world van play set. Obviously, there's a bunch of figures for the movie already available of Peach, Mario, Bowser, etc. There's also a Hot Wheels track for it as well. Um, posters, uh, carts, etc. <laughs> Shirts! Oh my god, do you want a Luigi shirt? There you go. And finally, in the Mario News Roundup, 
Miyamoto on a on a, in a recent inter- interview was asked about uh, you know if there's going to be any new Mario games in the future, you know, any new Mario game on the horizon. And his response was, "Well, all I can say is please stay tuned for future Nintendo Directs, maybe possibly hinting that in the next direct or the next, you know, next couple directs, there'll be a Mario game reveal. Mmm. Maybe the coincide with the release of a new system. Mmm. Uh, you know, in an interview, he also said he's always working on a new Mario, but he's not ready for the reveal of the next game yet. But maybe it's time. You know, the last time we had a Mario game was back in 2021 with the Bowser's Fury expansion. But the you know, the last like full game of, uh, was 2017 with the Mario Odyssey. So. You know, I guess uh, I guess maybe keep your eyes open uh, during the next couple directs. Maybe, maybe there'll be something Mario. I mean, it's the perfect time to release a Mario game or, or get a hype started for a Mario game. The movie's doing so well, you know. Might as well just maybe tease it a little bit. Get some hype going. All right, Tekken 8. I haven't talked a lot about Tekken 8 because, yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge Tekken guy, but, you know, when there's something important, I, I do like to discuss it. Uh, on Twitter, the one of the developers, or I'm sorry, the director, Katsu, Katsurio Harada, said that there will be cross-play on launch between PlayStation and Xbox. Um, you know, when, when previous generation consoles were released... Uh, he wanted to do cross-platform with Tekken 7 and 6, but, you know, the companies weren't friends back then. They still really aren't now, but they do, you know, agree that cross-play is a good thing in general. Um, so, you know, when 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 he when Tekken 8 has cross-play, he didn't really want to do a big bombastic thing because nowadays it's like, oh, cross-play is like, duh, for multiplayer games, right? Um, but he did say, like, yes, there will be cross-play. You can play between PlayStation and Xbox uh, and PC, I'm pretty sure. Um, which is, which will be nice. So there you go. Tekken 8. Updates. Uh, God of War Ragnarok had a huge new game plus update. It's out now. If you want to check that out, adds a lot of things. Uh, some things are a little spoilery. So, you know, maybe skip ahead like five minutes in the podcast. If you don't want spoilerish stuff, I don't think, I don't actually, I don't think there's really, well, yeah, there is, there is some spoilers here. All right. I'll give you one, two, three. New Game Plus mode, you'll have all your gear and skills unlocked in a new playthrough. Brand new armor sets, new color schemes for existing armor sets, there'll be a new shield, new ways to customize your mods, enchantments, and stats, adjusted endgame boss encounters, and they also expanded the Niflheim Combat Arena. There'll also be a black and white filter for some reason. In the Niflheim Combat Arena, you can use any of the partners that you had throughout the game. Um, you know, you can play as either Kratos or Atreus. Um, Kratos, the new, uh, one of the new, uh, armors for him, uh, the black bear armor finally lets you use the original outfit with the fur cloak that you see him in. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, um, you can, you can have, uh, you can play as Kratos or Atreus in the, in the Niflheim arena. And you can also have Freya, um, Atreus be a partner with Kratos, uh, Thor, um, Balder. No, not Balder. What the fuck? (laughs) Brock. (laughs) Brock Sindri. Anyone who could be a partner with you in the main game is available in the Niflheim Arena, which is pretty cool. Um, so there you go. I don't know if they added any trophies for the New Game Plus game you know, version. Um, if they did, I'll probably go back through and and get those on the on a playthrough on, on stream. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it's a nice update. Maybe a little bit later than I expected it to be, but it's a nice update. It's, it's pretty beefy. They You get that whole combat arena. Um, so there you go. Rise Son of Rome, you know, if you don't recall, last year they were, you know, the people behind Rise Son of Rome were asking like, hey, do you remember Rise Son of Rome? And it's got a bunch of traction. Uh, this is a game that debuted back on the Xbox One in 2013, and apparently it's still got a pretty passionate uh, fan base. Uh, people are constantly asking for a remaster or another game in the... Um, in the series. So Crytek recently put out a game, uh, I'm sorry, put out a Twitter post saying, what fond memories do you have of, of Rise, Son of Rome, and the journey of Marius Titus? 165,000 people responded to this Twitter post, pretty much simply praising the game and saying how much they loved it. Um, and obviously, you know, we don't know for sure, but there was a rumor circulating that they were they were they were starting to put a, a Rise Son of Rome two into the works. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you know, maybe we won't ever see Rise Son of Rome, the original game, put onto the newer platform. I mean, you can still play with the back, backwards compatibility, and I believe it's available on PC if you want to play it too. Um, but maybe maybe this means that there will be a Rise. Maybe there is a Rise two in development. I mean, the the published. I mean, the developers poking people. And they're getting a lot of responses. There's currently 2,500,000 2, hearts on the post, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, it, it, may, it might be unlikely, but hey, maybe we're going to get a new Rise Center Room. I remember the game pretty fondly. Uh, Greedy Waffles and I played it together. It, I mean, yeah, the co-op stuff was fun, and the, the single-player campaign got a bit stale midway through, but... I think in general it was good. I, I do want to replay the game. I, I've had it on my list for a little while. Um, my PC isn't running as good when streaming anymore, but maybe maybe I can maybe I can dig up like an Xbox 360 version of the game. I don't. Hey, actually, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I do have it on PC. Maybe I'll try it. Anyway, uh, Rise of the Room. Maybe getting a sequel. Rumors pretty intense. We'll see. Devolver Digital has officially acquired the Gatto, Roboto, and Gunbrella developer named Doinksoft. Gatto, Roboto was a big hit back in the day, and Gunbrella is looking pretty good. If you haven't seen the trailers for that and gameplay for that, it does look pretty, pretty fantastic. But, uh, you know, they announced this on Twitter, that today is a historic moment. We are excited to announce that the world-renowned franchise and talented uh, people at Doinksoft will be joining Team Devolver. I think that the Devolver published Gato Roboto, but they didn't own Doinksoft, but now they do officially own, own Doinksoft. Apparently, they worked on something for Red Dead Redemption 2, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but Gato Roboto was a was a big hit back in the day, and it's still a pretty fun game, and I can't wait to try out this Gunbrella game that they are um, that they are uh, that they're per that they're putting, gonna be putting out. It's like a running gun type thing. Um... The publisher has made it quite plain over the years that it has certain fondness for Rockstar games going forward. Um, I guess I guess the Red Dead Redemption three, two thing was a was a joke. <laughs> I don't I don't get it, but eh, whatever. Anyway, good news. Devolver Digital is 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 a good uh, good publisher, and uh, Doinksoft will fit right in with their list of developers. All right, Gamescom is officially coming back, and it's been announced that the opening night live will return on August 22nd. Jeff Cayley himself has confirmed it on Twitter, and he will be hosting it. 
in Kolmese, Germany. There we go. Um, he'll be back in Cologne, Germany with his fans in the industry. I guess Kolmese is maybe the the stage. Oops. Um, but yeah, that's that's gonna be Gamescom will be coming back on August twenty second. Opening night usually has all the big reveals and stuff like that. I think it's a couple, you know, it's maybe a few days of stuff. Um, I believe it was. Um, it, it, it's been around for a couple of years now, um, but last year didn't have anything super spectacular. So we'll see if this year has anything different. But you know, it's always nice to see these things come back around. Resident Evil fans aren't exactly thrilled with the microtransactions included in the free update for the uh, mercenaries mode that was added into the game recently. Um, I people have been putting it out there, and I think I I think I kind of agree with this statement that they waited to put the mercenaries mode in here with the add-on microtransactions just so that the reviews would be higher for the game than they would if the microtransactions were in the game. Because as it is right now, you can get you can pay to upgrade weapons, you can pay to let me let me zoom in on this here. You can pay for costumes and filters like the ones included with the uh, digital deluxe version. You can pay for new versions of the songs. You can pay for maps, for treasures. You can pay real money for weapon-exclusive tickets, which grants you any weapon in the game fully upgraded. Um, so that makes Mercenaries Mode a big microtransactions fest. Um, I mean, I don't mind them selling the costumes that were in the digital deluxe version, but treasure maps, weapon tickets, come on. This really feels like a Garden Warfare 2 scenario where... They added in the coins that you could buy packs with, with real money, after the release of the game, which boosted the the um, the Metacritic score and stuff like that initially, and then it kind of went back, you know, it went down to what you would kind of expect. And the interesting thing is, like, earning the coins in Garden Warfare 2 wasn't even that bad. You know, you could earn you could earn enough coins to get a new character pack in in, a, in about a, an hour. You know. But they still put in the option for buying coins, which was like, that's kind of shitty, especially after the fact. This is kind of the same thing where it's like, okay, you put this mercenaries mode in there, but you have to pay like $3. You For $3, you can like upgrade guns and stuff like that. Kind of, kind of weird, you know? And, you know, like I said, people are kind of like, oh, they did this because they didn't want the bad press along with the good press. You know, they, they wanted all the good press and then they put this out kind of quietly almost. And they hoped that people wouldn't be too angry, but people are. And I understand why. I don't think there were microtransactions in any of the other mercenary modes included in Resident Evil games. So why this one? Is it because it's Resident Evil 4 and it's selling really good? Maybe. Maybe. Gran Turismo 7 just did a big update to the game. Uh, you can now play at 120 FPS. Pretty crazy. Gran Turismo, obviously, it's known for its graphical quality and stuff like that. Um, if you have a good enough TV, you can set it to 120 hertz mode with VRR, whatever that means. There's a resolution and a frame rate mode, so you can prioritize <laughs> either one. Um, if you turn on VRR in the PS5 settings, these modes behave somewhat differently. The frame In frame rate mode, combined with VRR, Raises the resolution to, to 1440p with almost no noticeable sacrifice to the frame rate. Meanwhile, resolution mode with VRR manages to output 4K, but the frame rate stoops 
below the Magic 120 FPS, more like 70 to 100 during gameplay, which is still pretty good, let's be honest. And obviously, you do have to have a good enough TV for this as well. But uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty big. I think this is the first game to um, offer 120 FPS at all on the PS5, which is pretty crazy. So there you go, not too bad. Overwatch 2. I'm not a huge fan of Overwatch 2 anymore. I haven't really played it too much, but they are adding a new character, another new support character. This is the our healer character, whatever I call him. I feel like this is like the th second one <laughs> that they've released now. His name is Life Weaver. And uh, he has a few different things like Healing Blossom. Hold this to to charge a healing burst and release it to heal nearby enemy allies. Thorn Volley. Rapidly fire a spread of projectiles. Tree of Life is ultimate. Places a tree that instantly heals allies upon sprouting and continues healing as it lives. Other abilities he has is a Petal Platform. Throw a platform that springs upwards when stepped on. Rejuvenating dash, dash towards your traveling direction and lightly heal yourself. Life grip, pull an ally to your location, protect, protecting them as they travel. And there's also a passive thing called a parting gift. On death, you will drop a gift that heals the first person, the first person, enemy or ally to pick it up. Hmm, interesting. So there you go. He's going to be added into the game on the 11th of April as a part of their season four package. If you want to check that out, he's going to be available soon. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next part of the podcast, which is the last part. What's coming soon? Street Fighter 6 is uh, getting a, an official arcade stick licensed by Sony and Capcom. Uh, this um, This fighting stick... Will cost you 230 smacks in the face, um, but it's pretty high quality. It's licensed, it's licensed, like I said, by Sony and Capcom, so it's official. Um, there's like a graphic of uh, two characters fighting, uh, or maybe just kind of looking at each other menacingly, uh, with the logos and stuff like that. It's got like a purple and orange aesthetic, which is kind of nice. Kind of fits the color scheme of the game. Uh, this is a tournament grade quality controller, and it has everything you'll need. One eight eight button configuration joystick. Obviously, all the buttons you need for the PlayStation in general on there as well. In the description, it says the Fighting Stick Alpha comes equipped with Hori's legendary Hayabusa joystick. Hayabusa Made speed high speed buttons, fully functional touchpad, tournament lock, and ten foot cable, as well as an onboard audio and mic controls to keep all the focus on the fight. Take your fighting game skills to the next level and create four custom profiles through the companion app. Also, switch between profiles on the fly using the function buttons, officially licensed by Sony and Capcom. Obviously, this is a pretty pretty pricey pretty, pretty pricey controller, um, but you will be able to use it on upcoming games like Tekken and Guilty Gear, Gear Strive if you want to. Um, like I said, $230, though, that's a, that's a pretty hefty fee for this. But if you're a competitive player or if you really, really love Street Fighter, this might be something you want to get. Star Wars Jedi Survivor is right around the corner, and we got our final gameplay trailer for it. And I gotta say, I'm literally shitting and pissing and coming. <laughs> it looks really good. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, they call it a gameplay trailer... I mean, you know, there's a little bit of gameplay here and there. It's mostly 
like cinematics, I would say, or finishing moves. They did show off that, yeah, you're going to be playing, you know, you, you're going to have some partners here and there. You're going to be doing some boss fights here and there, obviously, just like the original game. Um, they didn't show off any of the new saber techniques like I was hoping, but they did show off that droidicas were going to be in the game. Kind of interesting. Um, obviously, there's a, a, a new mount I saw, but I, I don't know what it is. There's a new character who was fighting along with you. Don't know who he is. You're fighting a new character who might be the main villain of the game. Don't know who it is yet. But I'm very excited for this. April 28th. Um, obviously, it's going to be still a bit of a Souls-like game. So, yeah, But but the last Jedi Fallen Order game was very... Um, you know, it was very easy to pick up and play if you're not a Souls fan. And I feel like this is going to be the same way. I, I, I do believe that. Um, if you're nervous, the original game sells for about $5 on sale. So if you want to check that out before purchasing this and, and, and you know, maybe possibly, quote-unquote, wasting your money if you're not a Souls fan, well, here you go. You, you can you can try out Fallen Order for, like, 5 bucks on a sale. And it's usually pretty low low price nowadays. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks really good graphically. Uh, Gameplay-wise, you don't really see too much, even though it's a gameplay trailer. But you know, you you, you see uh, you know, you, you see a Rancor, you you see an ATST, you see a couple of different things, and that's always fun. So, yeah, April twenty eighth is when this is coming out. I'm very excited. We'll we'll see how it goes. Advanced Wars One Plus Two Reboot Camp got a official overview trailer. Um, this is coming out relatively soon on the 24th of April, the same day as Dead Island 2. It's a very nice video. If you go over to Nintendo of America uh, YouTube channel, um, it goes over all the new things that they added and also all the things that they've kind of revamped and the basics and all that stuff. Um, they've added in a redo or restart turn button, which is going to be a lifesaver for a lot of people. Um, they, uh, I mean, they, I mean, the rundown was, was, you know, it's, it's advanced wars, <laughs> you know, what more could I possibly say? But, you know, the rundown was very nice for people who maybe aren't, um, you know, big into the series, you know, obviously, uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that go on that, you know, maybe you don't understand at first, but you know, are easy to pick up. Um, you know, like I said, the new, the new stuff in there, there's not like a lot of new stuff, but you know, the, the, the whole, the build, like the, um, the map builder is pretty big. You know, the, the reset turn is pretty big. Um, there's obviously a, a shop that you can go to that gives you new uh, characters and stuff like that with the in-game currency that you unlock by playing the game. Um, you get new maps, you can get new characters, you can get new uh, artwork and soundtrack stuff. Um, like I said, it's going to be available the 21st of April, same day as Dead Island 2, so rip Dead Island 2. What can I say? <laughs> All right, post by Coco in the Discord. Neo Berlin 2087. This was an official release trailer or announcement trailer on PlayStation's YouTube channel if you want to check that out. Uh, the graphics are pretty insane. They're pretty good looking. But during the game, the frame rate is just abysmal. And I thought originally, like, oh, it's just a part of the gimmick of the game. You know, he's, like, in the cyberverse. But... Then you actually see him fighting, and the frame rate is like 20 FPS or something like that. And you're like, okay, I understand it's a work in progress, but maybe maybe you're revealing this a little bit too early. And the gameplay itself, I mean, it looks like a it looks like it looks like it switches between third person and first person, but I don't know, like it doesn't really look amazing. <laughs> Obviously, I'll wait to judge it until we get more information on it. But they really do. They really got to fix that for the frame rate. Um, you know, one person described it as a 
a game that looks AAA but looks like it was made on the budget of twenty bucks, which is like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel that. Um, honestly, don't know what to really say. I mean, just like watching the, watching the trailer is just like a mixed bag of like, oh, that looks cool, but then that looks really bad. But that looks cool, but that looks really bad, you know. <laughs> and I, I do like these futuristic games. We really haven't gotten something like this since like, I don't know, Killzone Shadowfall or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could, uh, maybe, maybe cyberpunk, but this is more, this looks like it's a more like, uh, you know, streamlined, um, you know, story progression type thing. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, obviously it's, it's set in Berlin in the year 2087 technological advancements and cybers nation had divided society into two class systems. Where have I heard this before? <laughs> Uh, any sci-fi game or movie or property ever where the rich are ruling over the city while the poor are fighting to survive. It's, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just every sci-fi thing ever. <laughs> um, Blade Runner, Ghost in a Shell, Cyberpunk. It's all the same with the story there. Uh, but yeah, if you want to check out the trailer, you'll form your own opinion. It's on PlayStation's YouTube channel. It's a, it's a Neo Berlin 2087, not super impressive come out of the gate, Visually very impressive, but performance-wise does not look very impressive. And the gameplay-wise doesn't look very different from a normal first-person or third-person action game. So hopefully they'll have something more to show later. But uh, as of right now, not super interested. And maybe I'll talk about it again later if they do another reveal trailer or another trailer. Lenark. On, if you go over to PlayStation's YouTube channel, you can see the trailer for Lenark. Uh, this is a 2D platforming game, pixel art platforming game. Looks pretty nice. Uh, you play as a dude who has a gun, and you shoot sci-fi robots. Um, honestly, I'm not like super into these types of games. I mean, it's a, it seems like a Metroidvania, but it's just it's a very heavily pixely, you know, pixel arty, and I have a hard time getting into games that are this pixel art. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, it looks nice stylistically wise. Um, but this is actually available now if you want to check that out. Uh, it's a puzzle platformer, um, battle mechanical droids in order to survive. The developer is Canary Games. They even enter, enter, implemented rotoscoping techniques in the animation to capture a classic feel. Want to check that out? Trailer's available now for Lenark. Nintendo is adding a new game to the N64 library with Pokemon Stadium coming next week. Um, please note you can't transfer Pokemon from the Game Boy in this version. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was um, this one released in 2000 and features the original 151 Pokemon. Um, it includes a selection of solo and multiplayer modes, including mini games. Nintendo has also confirmed that, like I said, there won't be uh, transferring from your Game Boy version of the game. Um, in Pokemon Stadium, you can battle it solo or with your chosen team of six Pokemon across four tournaments in stadium mode, or run it back against Kanto elite trainers and gym leader castle. Winning in either of these modes will secure a spot for your championship team and victory palace by, uh, but, com but completing both modes will unlock a final battle to challenge the ultimate trainer. If you want to check this out, like I said, it'll be available next week. Um, Japan is going to receive, um, a game known as Pokemon Stadium 2 on the 12th of April, which followed the original 1998 release in Japan. Um, so that's nice for them. Uh, we're just getting the original games, Pokemon Stadium. 
So that'll be coming next week. You want to check that out? All right, here are five games coming to, if coming to Game Pass in April that we know of right now. Uh, Loop Hero on the 4th of April. Iron Brigade on April 6th. Ghostwire Tokyo, April 12th, which is, which is as a preload available now. Through EA Play on the four, on the 13th of April, you can play NHL 23. And on the 18th, Minecraft Legends will be available to play. If you want to play any of those, there you go. Other games we know of that are coming but not yet confirmed uh, a, a date. Goat Simulator is going to be re-added to Game Pass. And uh, Everspace 2 will be getting a PC Game Pass release on the 6th of April on PC. Um, here are some games that we're going to be losing, though, in April. So if you want to play these, you better do them fast. Um, already gone is Quantum Break, but there's a bit of a story behind that. Uh, there is some sort of licensing issue that ca is causing the game to be taken down. They're going to need to relicense whatever that is. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a whatever. And they'll be, then they're going to put it up after that all gets solved. So we'll probably see that come back around the 15th of April. On April 15th, Life is Strange True Colors, Moon Glow Bay, Panzer Corps 2, The Dungeon of Nahulubik, The Amulet of Chaos, The Long Dark, The Rift Breaker, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Extraction are all going to be taken off of the program. Uh, Life is Strange True Colors, I've been sitting on that for a while. Uh, maybe maybe I'll try and, and uh, beat that this week. Um, because it's a game that I didn't really, I don't want to buy because I'm not a fan of the Life is Strange games, but I also don't want to play them solo because that's kind of weird. So I would rather play them on stream, but I don't think anyone's really interested in watching me shit on a game for, you know, however many hours that that game is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but hey, we'll see. Maybe I'll be completely wrong. Who knows? Anyway, that's it for the news and the coming soon and the podcast in general. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ferret 64. I do appreciate that. If you want to jump on over to my Twitch account, at Yummy the Ferret, uh, we're playing Metroid Prime Remastered right now, and we're going to be moving on to a new game on Tuesday, something, something different, um, which I will reveal right now. It's going to be the History Channel Civil War, the second game, uh, the, secret, the Secret Battles or something like that, whatever it's called. So if you're interested in that, Tuesday's a day we're going to be starting that. Um, I'm interested because uh, we played the original game so long ago. We'll see if my skills in Civil War combat come back naturally. Um, but yeah, I stream on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, YouTube, etc., it's all at Yemi the Ferret. I also run a few other podcasts, including Film Freaks with a Z, where we talk about movies. The latest episode about the Count of Monte Cristo is available now. And if you want to check out my other podcast, Fubar Ferret, I talk about everything, anything, and all that's in between. And the next episode's coming out the 12th of April, if you want to check that out. I am using a new microphone. Thank you for asking. Hopefully it sounds good. I've been tweaking the settings here and there, so I think I got what I want now, but of course I won't know until I, until I edit the podcast. Um, but thank you for listening, folks. Have a great rest of your week. I'll talk at you next week. I'm Yuma the Ferret, and I'm out of here. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.